And what's good, everybody? What's good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the I'm Tell Like podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields. Got a jam-packed busy show for you this week. Talk about the Patriots crying and more and growing about ref ball. Talk about the Patriots involved in another cheating scandal again, ironically against my Cincinnati Bengals, who they play on Sunday. Touch on the Rams spitting bit against the Rams. My brother will join us for that. Touch on the Eagles gaining steam in the NFC East after beating the Giants on Monday night. Also get into MLB free agency news with Steven Strasburg, Anthony Rendon, Garrett Cole, and Brett Gardner. And recap Jets Ravens and Week 15 picks Excuse me, at the end of the program. Hi everybody, it was Shirley Josh Shields and let's get into it. With... First of all, let's let's let me do the um do the Patriots crime with the ref ball first and then we'll get on to the other things. We'll move it along here. Uh I I know for me, I do not want to hear a peep, a quiver, a complaint, a grievance. I don't want to hear anything from the New England Patriots when it comes to ref ball and getting screwed by the refs. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it because this is a team that has, I can't name a team not just in football. I can't name a team in professional sports and professional team sports that has benefited more from horrible officiating than the New England Patriots. This is a team that has gotten nearly every single break known to man. And it's not like that they need it anyway when it got the greatest coach QB uh, combo in the history, in the 100 season history of the sport. It's not like that they need it. Okay, this is this is the greatest coach. This is the greatest coach coach quarterback combination since Walsh in Montana, and the greatest one of my generation and of all time. It's not like that. It's not that the Patriots need extra help to help them win football games. On top of the fact that they got the two greatest who has ever done it, and they go and they gain illegal competitive advantage, a la a la cheating with the flight and footballs and spying on teams, whatever the case might be. 
But still, I I cannot tell you how many breaks the Patriots have gotten over the years due to ref ball. I, I can't I can't tell you how many times I'd be here to I'd be here till next Christmas, this Christmas twenty twenty. Name you all the occasions over the past 17, 18, 19 years. It's ridiculous. I don't want to hear it. Okay, I, I don't. I don't want to hear scream. Were they horrible calls by the officiating? Absolutely. But don't sit up and t- and talk to me about the whistle about the early whistle in this game when and I wrote and I wrote them down when in two thousand and seventeen, okay, two thousand seventeen AFC Championship game. With the Miles Jack scenario. Okay. Patriots fumble the football. Miles Jack comes there, scoops it up, tries to score. They blow it dead, which the refs have never never should have done. They should have let the play play out and take it on from there. But instead, early whistle, the Miles Jack would have been a touchdown to put the Patriots up by, I believe, two scores with 13 minutes left in the fourth quarter is all of a sudden negated because of an early whistle. 2017 AFC Championship game, the Patriots. Remember, the Patriots didn't wake, didn't begin to wake up till about, till about the last six, six five, the last six minutes of uh, the fourth quarter. Okay, the Patriots were still asleep at the wheel early stages in the fourth quarter. It was Jacksonville's game to win, and what did they do? Patriots fumbled the football. Miles Jack. Near, and there was nobody. And if you go back and rewatch the play, there was nobody in the vicinity of where Miles Jack was. Takes the initiative, scoops it up, attempts to score. Refs blow it dead. What happens? Game's tight. Bortles is tight. Team's tight, as in the Jaguars. They're tight. What does Brady do? He goes down the field, works his magic, and the Patriots are in a second straight Super Bowl. That's item number one. And I mean I mean and I, I don't want to hear it. And maybe tell Belichick. Now granted, it's the same thing what Dan Fouts said on uh, like I told you guys last Sunday, what Dan Fouts said when when it, it came to the Ravens Bill scenario about the pass interference. No, it shouldn't have to take the coaches to hold the refs accountable via replay review, but I mean, if Belichick doesn't waste it on that, on you know, on some on that questionable challenge that he had earlier in the ball game that wasn't very clear cut and definitive for him to win the call, if Belichick doesn't waste a challenge on that, he can challenge. You know, he's got a challenge in his back pocket, and he can challenge one of the, you know the one of quite a few times the Patriots got screwed. The particular one I'm thinking of is the one is when they had a touchdown taken off the board late. So I mean, it, Belichick deserves a little bit of the blame too. I mean, let's let's not be naive about this either. I mean, for once, for once in his life, Andy Reid coached circles around Belichick. For once. And how about you get on your offense instead of worrying about officiating? Tom Brady, for his standards, has been absolutely atrocious this season. He hasn't put up. No, I mean, the I mean, listen to this. He's completing sixty percent of his passes. Okay, has thrown only nineteen touchdowns. Nineteen. The least he's ever thrown this season was eighteen in his first full. And you know, in two thousand one, he has eighteen touchdowns. 
Or excuse me, hold on. Make sure I read that right. 29 touchdowns, I apologize. No, wait. Yeah, 19, 28, 2018. 2019 has 19 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. Okay? He's he's not ha- he's not had, you know, and if you had to skip Bales of the world, you're you're into this. His QBR is 86. You know what his QBR was last year? 97.7. He's had a terrible season for Brady's standards, completing 60% of his passes and 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 stone 19 and it's only thrown for 19 touchdowns when he nearly threw for 30 last year so i mean can we i mean can, now i'm not saying make all the excuses for i understand that i mean brady has like no to, outside of james white and edelman but i mean come on can the can brady and the offense take a little bit of a hit of a hit here of why they lost this game I mean, it was, I told you guys this last Sunday. It was the flea flicker, and then the Patriots offense pretty much disappeared. But I don't want to hear any Patriot fan or whoever moan and groan about officiating when they've gotten the benefit of every whistle since their dynasty started. And I gave them Miles J. How about let's go earlier in 2017 season and bring up the Jesse James play. Steelers are driving down late to get a nice long run by, I believe it was Juju Smith-Schuster. Steelers in golden golden position to win the ball game. Roethlisberger sees Jesse James middle of the field. Jesse James catches the ball, goes down, you know, goes down, and uses the football to extend to break the plane. And the ball comes loose once Jesse James hands you know, attempt to break the plane and hit the ground. But because it happened so fast, bang, bang, and the NFL rulebook and yada, 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 what happened? Incomplete pass. Next play. Even in the Steelers should have kicked the field goal. They were only down three points. They should have kicked the field goal nevertheless. But still, next play run Roethlisberger, interception, Steelers lose the game. Patriots, which what, you know, and, and keep in mind, the the Patriots... Get, had the first had the number one seed in uh the in had the number one seed in the AFC in 2017 and the Steelers had the two seed so keep that keep that keep that in mind okay in the A, in the AFC the Patriots finished 13 and 3 record the Steelers finished also 13 and 3. The tiebreaker to see who got the first and the second seed, that game. If the refs don't screw it up, whether it be the, the guys who wrote the rule book, the guys in New York, or the Tony Carrenti officiating crew, whoever it is, if they if the refs get it right, the Steelers have the one seed. And the Patriots are playing Jacksonville. A week earlier, with the Steelers having the one seed and the Patriots being the two seed, so who knows how that entire sequence would have worked out had the play been called correctly with Jesse James with the touchdown and Pittsburgh winning that football game. How about that example of ref ball helping the Patriots? 
or if you want to go more recently, ironically enough, against the Kansas City Chiefs, I'll be very happy to do so. 2018 AFC Championship game back 11 months ago at the beginning of the 2019 calendar year in January, the Phantom roughing the passer call that was called with 7.08 in the fourth, Patriots Patriots down by a score, and the Chiefs defensive lineman hits Bra- practically Brady's sitting there to pass. The pockets collapsed around, and the, and the Chiefs defensive guy practically just sw- swings his hand over and basically hits Brady on his on his left shoulder. And somehow, and and for the life of me, I will ne- I'll go to my grave not understanding this one. I mean, it was bad enough early in the day we had to put up with the non-passing interference call in the Saints game, but that one sent me over the edge and sent lots of Chiefs fans and other Patriot haters across the country over the edge. How in the world that how in the world that was called a pass uh roughing the passer, I will not understand for the life of me. And how all the other refs actually concurred with that call, those refs that ref that AFC championship game and I'd have to look it up, but they but they should but they should not but they should not allow to ref another big time football game like that again because because that is an absolute because that is an absolute disgrace how how they call roughing the how they call roughing the passer on that i mean that 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 is that is ridic- that is absolutely absurd absurd you you cannot under any circumstance I, he didn't even tackle him or make an attempt to tackle him. He simply just raises his hand, hits him across the shoulder, and flag him past interference. Really? Cleet Blakeman, that's his crew. That that called that pass interference in a championship game. That they should not be allowed to rep to touch another playoff game as long as they're employed by the National Football League as officials. Because that is an absolute joke. So don't sit up here and tell me Patriots fans come whining and crying to me when they get the benefit of every whistle and have been for the past 15 plus years. They've gotten the benefit of every whistle, every whistle, every bad call you can think of, the Patriots have ended up on the upside on. So I don't want to hear the Patriots moan, moan and groan and complain when things aren't, you know, so luxurious in Patriot land. And, oh, well, well we oh, we got a bad call. And with your hands up. Because nobody, because the other 29 teams in the NFL and and all the, and the, all the other football fans out there, including North Shuley, I mean, cry me a river. Like that old Justin Timberlake song, "Cry Me a River, Cry Me a River." I mean, "Cry Me a River," Patriot fans, please. I, you are the last team that should be moaning and groaning and griping and scraping and complaining about ref ball. As many times as this as it served to your advantage, hell, I can go as far back two thousand one AFC divisional game with the tuck rule for crying out loud. With the tuck rule. Brady knew good and well. That was a fumble. And I go ahead and re- oh my gosh, almighty Patriot fans, shut up! And another thing, Patriot fans, maybe could you not maybe harass Patrick Mahomes' girlfriend and his little brother when they're sitting there trying to watch a ball game? Could could you guys do that? Could you guys not be a bu- I mean, Boston is is a is a. I mean, people wise, is one of the crummiest cities in America as far as the people are concerned. 
I mean, I mean, and I'm not, and don't make me go into into the race relations aspect of it. How Bill Russell was sent up there winning the city championships left and right, yet still had to walk the streets of Boston and get called a, a nigger and a coon and everything else but a child of God to his face and death threats and everything else. But that time where that Boston kid was nearly was nearly impaled by the American flag in a race riot. So don't don't get me started on people of Boston. I've never been. I'm sure it's a great city. Nothing against the city as far as the infrastructure and the architecture of Boston itself. But Boston has, excuse my French, a Boston has a lot of douchebags that live up there. And you and that and I'm not even talking to Patriot fans. Patri- the Boston Patriot fans are just icing on the cake, because because those because those people up in Boston for the most part are not model class are not uh, model citizens by any stretch of the imagination. Sitting up there, Mahomes' girl and his little brother are sitting up there trying to trying to you know watch a game. And I got and I got these morons and these idiots sitting up in the Boston fans identifying, telling everybody who they are, and they just say, "Well, just for the hell of it, let's just talk crap about them just just to get on just to get on their nerves." To the point where security has to move them up in a, in the seat in the upper deck. I mean that 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 is an absolute joke. A lot of class, Patriot fans. A lot of class. Speaking of class, a lack thereof, this team is once again involved in another cheating scenario, recording eight minutes uninterrupted of my Cincinnati Bengals coaching staff sideline during our loss to the Cleveland Browns last week, saying it was quote-unquote for a do-your-job documentary. I mean, the, can the Patriots, you know, quit, just stop, please? Can can they stop? I mean, they they're like a drug addict. Like they do any, like they do the dumbest, they do the cheapest things to fit through loopholes for them to feed their addiction. It's almost as if this is an addiction with the Patriots. Like they didn't learn from the Flake Gate. Like they didn't learn from Spy Gate. It's 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 like they they, can't, they got the I can't help this. They can't stop every single time. You got to gain getting an edge is one thing. Doing it so blatant that it's against the rules. To the point, where, I mean, to the point where it's like you guys are immune to it and have no problem with it. I mean, oh my gosh! Enough, Patriots, please. Can you guys just go about the go about the game the right way and quit trying to find these little loopholes and these illegal advantages to get an edge to win games, please. I get your season isn't going as greatly as it has been in years past, but can, can you please dial it down with the cheating nonsense, please? You got you guys are you guys are ten and three, trying to you know, trying to illegally spy on the one and twelve Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, really, really, on the one and twelve Cincinnati Bengals, you morons feel the need to record for eight minutes straight of the Bengals sideline trying to steal their signals. That's the disturbing thing about the Patriots. I could see, you know, if they cheated against a big time opponent or, you know, to help, you know, or in the Super Bowl or whatever, which this has been rumored that they spied on the Rams walkthrough in Super Bowl 36. But I could see that. 
But when you see if you're getting caught spying on the Jets and the Bengals and the coast that you already had them beat by halftime, you just say, well, what the hell? You know, let's just use the fight of footballs. I mean, Patriots, really? And you guys want to call yourself a model class organization and you guys are the are the top tier premier example of what excellence should be in professional sports. Hey, you guys got are basically like a crackhead and a crack addict when it comes to, you know, doing these stupid asinine egregious things to gain competitive edges. I mean, it, it makes you sick and it's really it's getting to be asinine. It, it, it really is. It isn't that big. But I mean, it's not it's not that big of a big of an issue. But I mean, when is enough enough with the Patriots, huh? They're not first time offenders on this. This isn't their first go around when it comes to this cheating scenario, especially spying on teams. I mean, it it it, it makes you sick. It it really makes you sick. And then everybody want, walks around and wonders why ain't nobody can respect or like the Patriots. Because they sit up here and they do this de- deplorable crap all the time. Who in the heck can, can respect a franchise or can respect a competitor that all, when all they do is, is take the easy way out of cr- doing crap to gain competitive edges? And on top of the fact they they go out of their way to cheat, they're so good and they have so much talent and so much positive stuff at their disposal on paper that they sit up here and they still feel obligated to go outside and break the rules when they don't need, when they don't need to. I mean, I mean, it's 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 like a student that's straight A student, four point GPA, everything else, sharpens a tech, everything else. And goes and goes ahead and, and cheats on a fifteen, you know, on a ten point quiz. Like really, you're that desperate. You're gonna sit up here and and gonna stoop that low. You're gonna cheat, really, off of a five ten point quiz that, in the grand scheme of things, means nothing to your overall grade. Cause that's what the Patriots just did. I'm down. I'm down on the Patriots. Uh, uh, please. Oh my gosh, Almighty! I don't want to hear them screaming and moaning about ref ball. I don't need their fans acting like a bunch of jerks to to uh, Patrick Mahomes' brother and his girlfriend. That's unacceptable. And Patriots, enough with trying to with these petty ways of trying to take the easy way out of gaining competitive edges, especially off of pathetic, hapless, tanking teams. And my Cincinnati Bengals. And for Bill Beck to sit here and say, well, I had no idea. It's a bunch of bull to begin with. And anybody, anybody who buys that bogus statement from Belichick needs their head examined and needs to clean out their ears. Because if you don't think Belichick didn't have anything to do with this, you're not paying attention. Take a break. My brother will join us to talk Seahawks vomiting all over themselves against the Rams. And I'll talk about the Eagles and their NFC East chase when we come back, back after this.
Welcome back, everybody. Time to tell like a TIA's podcast. Joining me now, I've been wanting to do it for a long time. When are we going to be on the podcast? All right, and you want it? You want it? I'm talking Seahawks in a, you know, in a segment block. You can be on it. So joining me now, my younger brother, Ian Chills, to break down a pathetic performance by Seattle Seahawks on Sunday night. Offensively, yes, but not defensively, no. Defensively, they played... I think they played fairly good. I give them lowest. I give them a C minus. Highest. I give them a B plus. Some of the injuries that we went through. Uh, Ty Gurley. He he just had an amazing game. He was he really wasn't bothered by that knee. The last since the last, guess, the last by Todd, he like, had a good fought. game. He didn't have twenty three k seventy nine yards. It's not amazing. For, I didn't. For I didn't say Sanders. amazing. That that was that's kind of bad. 20, 23 carries, he should at least be up to like a buck fifty. A buck fifty? Yeah, with twenty three carries, the way the way that he runs the football dry, he should be at buck fifty. Even Chris McCaffrey. I'll meet you halfway and say a buck twenty five, but you may continue. Alright, but like Curly had a good game. But uh I think we we just had a bad game. Offensively, I don't know why the but team Aaron Donald. It kinda made no sense. That kind of screws here, over. Here's, here's all you need to know. In week five when you guys played, you guys know, gave one up sec. one sec. And that, that, that's what I don't understand. I don't know why we would try to change something that worked for us. This like game, you. four secs. And it wasn't Aaron Donald that wrecked the game. It was... Make sure I get the name properly. It was Samson Imbakwam, who had two sacks. In the in the game, Aaron Donald had one tackle, and that was his second and a half in the game. That's, and that was late. In the, that it. was like late fourth quarter too. The offensive the offensive line was terrible in the game. Not I, I wouldn't I I wouldn't call I it stellar. I wouldn't call it horrible. But it wasn't. It was bad. It was what it was because it, it, Russell Wilson did could not. I mean, not, it was bad because we double teamed him, and you know, and everyone else and everyone else took advantage of that. Right. Everyone else took advantage of that. I can't even can't even kill Russell Wilson for having a poor game when he when he barely when he barely has enough time I mean, to throw the, the football. F- the fact that he threw for two forty nine, I'm surprised by because if you can't get the ball off like that, you gotta get, just check it up sometimes. And that interception that he had, if Zellak was maybe a little bit taller than was Josh going to DK Metcalf, that probably would have been a touchdown. But you know, he didn't have time to see, so like he was like, oh, well, I was like. Third, fourth down, just chuck it out, just get it out. Because if he would have waited out long, that maybe would have been a fumble. But, you know, I think the defense played good for considering the circumstances uh, that they had. Um, you can't, now, Ian, let me tell you, you can't say that the defense played good when I understand Jared that, Goff. I understand that. When Goff. But, he had eight incompletions in the entire game. He was twenty-two for thirty-one, threw for two hundred ninety-three yards, two touchdown passes. You take away, you take away the two digs interceptions, and golf played a tremendous football game. Eight incompletions total in the game was seven yards away from hitting the three hundred mark, and threw for two touchdowns. And Robert and Robert Woods receiving had ninety-eight receiving yards and a touchdown. And Tyler Higby, the tight end, went off. Think about it. Think about it. You can't say that they played a hold good on, game. Hold on. They scored 28 points. We would have had Ziggy Anza and Michael Kendrick. Can, can, you me, can you at least give me what this? If we, if we had Michael Kendrick healthy, Ziggy Anza healthy, 
I don't know if you saw the Eagles game that we played, but that was five turnovers that Jared Goff had. Considering uh, the defensive line that we had that game, and we have a, if Ziggy Anza and Michael Kunch would have been healthy that game, I think having those receiving yards would have been cut down. That's that's what I'm saying. I, you can agree with me, you but can disagree with that me. That may be true, but you guys still did not play well in the game. You, your defense, your, your, def, your defense was not not good. You can't sit there and say good, and they and they put up twenty eight points. I mean, and but, Jared Goff looked like his two thousand eighteen self. You you can't sit here and say it was good. You just think, you just was, can't. That's not fair. They played. They did not. They weren't awful, but they did not. But the, for Seahawks standards, in as far as defense is concerned, and we can and we all know how well the Seahawks can how, how well the Seahawks can. That's almost an F. But if we're comparing that, but we're not comparing that. Well, it, it was it wasn't no B minus or C. It wasn't anything. It wasn't, yes, it wasn't it was. no. It was not. So what's the highest? Highest D plus. What? You're, when Jared, you're freaking crazy. When Jared Goff has eight incompletions in the game and is seven. Yards away. Let me see. Let me make now, sure I get this right. You, now, Jared, now you. And it's seven a, a yards. A D, a D a seven plus. yards. Seven yards away from throwing for over three hundred yards, and Higby the tight end went off. You t- again take away those two. Okay, not okay. Maybe a deep. Okay, so we'll go with well D plus. The, yeah, you want the no. pluses? Pluses the two digs interceptions. No, but you no. take away two digs interceptions. Jared Goff. Was good. He looked like his old self from last year. For crying out loud, eight total incomplete passes. Okay, that, that's the only. That's the only thing you have. Don't give me no passing yards. Cause Tom Brady threw five hundred yards and still lost to the Philadelphia Eagles. So don't give me that BS, please. I don't care two, about two, passing yards. Two ninety three is two ninety three, and it matters when you lose the game. Brady threw five hundred and he and he 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 lost the game by eight points. It doesn't matter. Incompletions is probably the only thing that you have. The, those incompletions, it's the pass rush that we didn't have. And Bobby, you, no, Bobby, you can And you guys also, mind you, you guys also failed to sack golf. See, now That's you, my point. We did not have the defensive pressure that we needed and that we had was, in those other games. But how does So that, you cannot blame that on the defense. Yes, I can. No, you can't. Not everybody's next, healthy. Next man up. So, we have Quinn Jefferson. Nobody knows who those people are. The, some of the, how many people on our defensive line that play Sunday, they didn't see time on the field since last year. Because we have so many star players in the defensive front now that Jaron Reed is back from Puff Puff Paz and all that weed stuff. But still, we we, we have Janavon Clown, we got Jaron Reed, we got uh, uh, Ziggy Anza, we got Michael Kendricks. Uh, what's another pass rush? Um... Shoot, what's the other? Uh, 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 um, Al Woods. He came from Buffalo. He, he, he's been playing amazing. So you you can't give me that. And also, they, they, they've, been, they've been on the field every single time. Every 31 yards of time of possession compared to 28 But that's that that the second difference. half. That, 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 that's a matter. I don't. Ian, again, they did not play good. I don't care what what is uh 
what is Ziggy Anza all of a sudden? Uh, is Ziggy Anza all of a sudden Michael Strahan? Give me a break. I'm not sending Michael Strahan, but the, the the person that's behind him isn't all that. And he hasn't seen he hasn't seen play times in a long time. And I bet you Ziggy Anza's always had practice, and he's always been practicing. So you know the next man up. He hasn't seen a field. He probably hasn't been paying attention as much as he should be. So you can't blame it on that. Like Cody Barton, I don't know what he, I don't even know what was a draft pick on him. He, he he's horrible. He's just, he, the people, Alan Chris said he's the best coverage lineman. No 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 no. He he's not. He's not. The fact that uh 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 what's his name uh defense coordinator oh uh, Ken Norton. The fact that he sent him on a blitz, I didn't understand. Why did he keep him back if he's a coverage linebacker? Why don't we just like put another uh, other linebacker in there or something? Like I, I just don't get this. I don't I don't get it. The the Russell Wilson uh interception that he threw that's not fault. He had to chuck it up. Demons was on the field every single time. So like you that that's kind of that's it's an in between. And the fact that you get okay I mean, even, I, even if that's true, Ian, it's two separate halves, not two separate football games. Like the fact that you. You're saying my D my B plus is horrible. The fact that you give them a D plus is straight up uh, garbage, which cuts on you because I would cuss you out. But this is this is just BS. The fact that you give them a D plus is BS. How? It's BS. How? When they've been on the field the whole entire time. You can't <laughs> a whole entire time. <laughs> Oh. You got me losing my voice. Oh, hold on. Got me losing my voice and everything. You can't be easy. You know you're laughing. Because it's straight up BS. You can't I'm laughing it. at you, joking. At you trying to you, prove you, your you, voice. You can't do this. Because they've been on the field the whole entire time. How is it the whole entire time? Me. How is it the whole entire time in 30? In 31 31 minutes to 28 minutes. It's not that big that of a difference. That was the second half. I'm t- that, this is both. This is. Uh, you said it was the first I, I, half. I, I, is I, I, it, is I, it the first I, I, half or the second I, I, half? Which one is it? I'm talking about the time of possession that we had 28 minutes in. 28 minutes. It's the whole game. But we had we have more time of possession in the second half than the first half. When it was it's half, two separate halves. When it was half two half, separate games. It was 17-9. Was it not? What? You're missing the point. No, you're missing my point. Finally, you giving them a D plus is straight up BS. The plus is because they got golf two interceptions on the same guy and a pick. You do and realize if the we only touchdown they scored in the ball game was on defense, right? Yes, I understand that. But if we would have had our key pass rushers. I don't give a crap about his Ziggy Hansa. It doesn't matter. I'm talking about Michael Kendrick. I don't care about him either. He sit up here. Didn't the guy get in trouble and is going to face practically life behind bars because he defrauded because he's got a tax scam or something with his finances and he scammed the IRS or somebody else? So, and he's on his last legs, you know, as far as freedom is concerned, as far as the football player. Forget him. What is he, Michael Bennett all of a sudden? I mean, since we're into Seattle Seahawks defense, the equivalent of the Legion of Boom. Give me a break. I mean, come on. They, Ian, they play bad in the game. Y'all, y'all, y'all know who Vontaze Burvick is, right? Does, does everybody know who he is? What does Vontaze Burvick have to do with anything? He's probably the most troubled linebacker in NFL history. He hits people for no good reason. That's They're on only- the field. But think about this. Think, think about this. 
Think about this. I don't care about off the field issues. People make mistakes. But as long as he's producing for you're our team and not screwing point. us up, you're I missing do not the care. point. The f- Ian, you are making it seem like that these guys are the second coming to Michael Bennett, Cam Chancellor. I'm not Earl saying Thomas. that, but the fact that you give them a D plus is horrible. How is it horrible when they put up 28 points and Jerry Goff nearly threw for 300 yards, threw for two touchdown passes, a total of eight incompletions, and Tyler Higby for one more time had 106. Team receiving yards. Robert Woods nearly so, had a hundred receiving yards and caught a touchdown pass. So, so, uh, so all these stats. You're telling me all these stats. They should at least put up forty-two points on us. Should they what have not? Should they read, put up read, twenty-eight? Read those stats. Read those stats again, buddy. Read those stats again. Eight completions. Eight no, incompletions. Eight, eight, eight incompletions. You know what I mean? Two, two, uh, two receivers who had almost. Well, they, well, they, they would have put, they would have put up you know thirty forty something points had that Jay Goff threw two interceptions to the same guy. Not that's, a, that's why I gave him the plus. If if you take out the interceptions, that was a D rated performance. Nah. Yes, it was. C minus C. C minus C. It's not no. It's not D. I I can't say it was a D D performance. Now, if we play like this tomorrow. Uh, um, I'm gonna have to think because we'll be ten and four. And that's just that's kind of gut. That's gut wrenching. But we're not, I don't think we're gonna play like that tomorrow. Your de- your defense was bad in the game. I, I don't I don't give a crap. Mm-hmm. They, your defense was was bad in the game when they let Jared Goff essentially turn into his 2018 self and had Higby and Robert Woods running all over the place, you can't sit up here and say that for their, you know, given the circumstances, which I understand. But still, let's let's call it like we see it. Your defense did not play that, that great. Oh, if no, they think, scored, no, if they scored the, 21 the, points, the, I buy it. Think, but think when, they nearly think, put up, think, when they nearly put up 30... And they scored nothing but touchdowns the entire game, and they gave up 14 points in the second quarter. I don't want to hear that they that the fact that they played a good that if, they played a good game. If Michael Kendrick they played been, decent Michael Kendrick, at best. Michael Kendrick would have been in the game. KJ and Michael probably would have rushed the quarterback probably within coverage. Bobby Wagner is the middle a middle of the field kind of guy. He can get interceptions. He can get tackles. He, he he can play the linebacker. So some of the, most of those receiving yards probably would have been erased. His Bobby Wagner probably would have been all over those plays. We played the Seahawks played more better the better tight ends this year than Tyler Higby. Bobby Wagner led the team in tackles that night. What more do you want him to do? That's my point. That's my point. If we want to have Michael Kendricks, Bobby Wagner probably would have shut down Tyler Higby overall. And that one touchdown that they that that they had. I, that was that was miscommunication because, uh, Trey, uh, Bradley McDougal got mixed up. He got caught up because they do this kind of screen type play where like all of them just jumble up in the middle while someone just goes over across and then our defensive backs get stuck in there. So Tyler Higby is all the way down the field wide open. So that's really twenty one, twelve because that was just a, that was a miscue and a mistake. So. You 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 can't give him. I don't I don't think you can give him a D plus. You I, can I, yes I, you can. I, 
I, I just agree with you on a lot of things, but those, I gotta draw the line on that. I, 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 gotta, draw, I, I gotta draw the line. It was not a good performance. I mean, and let me tell you something. You sound dumb in the Skip Bayless. Fit, no, you sound dumb don't, the Skip don't, Bayless. Don't give me Skip Bayless, please. He's, so, he's on another level. But my, but here's something that you will agree on. If you guys don't end up winning this division or locking down the two seed or maybe even the one seed, if you guys end up as a fifth seed as far as the NFC wild card and have to play all road games... This will be a game that you guys will look back on and say, this is a game that we should have had and a game that you should have won. Because you cannot, under any circumstances, what? lose a primetime game. You're sitting there with your record at 10-2 and two heading into this game and a Rams team that is doing all that they can to steal a 16 spot. You cannot, under any circumstances, spit the bit like you guys did on primetime in front of everybody on Sunday Night Football. When this Rams team... Compared to last year and the, and how they were in 2017, are not that good. When Lamar Jackson, ab- when when Lamar twice, Jackson so. absolutely lit them up the the uh, Monday before Thanksgiving, lit them up Speaking like a Christmas tree in Rockefeller Center, lit them up. But hold on, that's that's not all that fair either. Because how fast do you think Lamar Jackson? Like if you if you're gonna get like one of those uh, car speed things, how, how fast do you think he run? What 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 she what over probably over like twenty twenty something mile twenty twenty one, I mean, what what she what you getting at? Um, the Rams don't have a good secondary. The whole team, the whole defense is really not even out of that fantasy. So Lamar Jackson put up the numbers that he did. He can he can blow back past the defense. How many times he wants? So that's not technically fair because Russell Wilson isn't fast like that anymore. So that's why it was a blowout the way it was. First of all, second of all, I think you do realize Lamar Jackson threw for five touchdown passes and had a total of five incompletions in that game. You know that, right? How many yards did he throw? He does one sixty nine, but you just exactly got, you just got finished saying that yards don't matter. He the fact that he threw for five touchdown passes. Yeah, he can run. Oh, he can run from one one yard line to another one yard line, but just throw a simple fade route. To to the tight end only only because the Rams saying they he's gonna run it he's gonna run the ball, so when he, when they think he's gonna run the ball, their pass coverage comes into now a run set. So he's like, oh, let me just change it up and just pass the ball. So you don't think they didn't get that message when they were down twenty eight to six at halftime? They can't stop that. They can't. Your, de- your defense was terrible. That's all. That's all. That's terrible. all I gotta say. They they were terrible. Yes, he went. Look at what Jared Goff put up. Put up in this game, twenty six for thirty seven, two two twelve, and two interceptions. What? Look at the Ravens. That was the Ravens look, game. Look at the Ravens secondary. I don't even care about the defense. They got Marlon Humphrey came from Bama. The same, probably, he came from probably one of the best football, the Bill Belichick of college football, Nick Saban. They have, uh, what's his name? And don't tell me Earl Thomas, because Earl Thomas is done. I'm not telling Earl Thomas, because Earl Thomas looks like a fucking pig. He's fat as I don't know what. He's not even the same Earl Thomas that I know. I'm talking about the other cornerback. They got Brandon Carr. They got Jimmy Smith. They got, um, what's his name? He just came over from uh, St. Louis. Uh, not St. Louis. Marcus Peters. Yeah, it's Marcus Peters. Like, come on. Like, who had who had who had an interception in the game? I know, but you you can't you can't call, you can't say that because those are those are two different teams. 
two different two different teams two do te- two different defenses. One is secondary base, one is mainly linebacker and defensive front base. You you, you just can't you can't make that argument. So that's that's just it's not valid. Defense didn't play well. I uh, I give all right. I'm gonna change my answer. I'm giving it a C minus C plus. That's 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 my final answer. I'm not I'm not giving it a D plus. I'm not touching it D plus. Right. Well, anyway. D plus. Uh, and if you guys don't end up winning the whole thing, this will be a game that comes back to bite you. Just okay. Just so in twenty seventeen, who beat the Eagles on Sunday Night Football? What's Last your, time I checked, it was a Seattle what, What's your point? Just because you lose a primetime game, you can't I'm make a big deal I'm not talking about... I'm not talking about... making a big deal out of it, Kevin. It's, well, it's, it is a big deal because when you're in that division where the margin of error is so slim as far as getting that division and potentially putting yourself in a situation to get a bye, it's, you, guys already, you guys lost to the Saints earlier in the season. You guys' margin of error is so razor thin. Not, not hold on, no, hold on, hold on. The the Saints will probably get to one C. I understand that. Well, but, I, but you're telling me if they, oh, they well they couldn't get the one. I don't think they were able to get the one seed. I no, I'm talking about to. I'm talking about if if we beat them week seventeen, the 49ers would have to collapse down the stretch because they because they lost to them last week. I understand last Sunday's game was important for us to win. But when you look at our coming, the two two teams that we play. The Panthers and the Cardinals. The, the two easiest teams. Right. Especially the Cardinals. But you should have took care. But don't forget, you closed out against the 40, the 49ers. I know. But like, everybody's, like everybody's been since since the start of the year, Week 17 is what it comes down to. And I believe that our team is strong enough to beat the 49ers. And I feel like we were going to the 1-2 and two seed. This, this game last week was a hiccup. People, our teams make mistakes. It was a hiccup that you guys couldn't afford to have, though. As one, is my think the Patriots could. Saying. What about the Patriots Chiefs game? You think the Patriots could afford that? No, they well, exactly. Well, I well, I killed the Patriots last week. It's talking about the Seahawks. You miss. You kind of missing my point. Those, those two. Those two games are must-win games for the Seahawks and the Patriots, but they lost that game. On the next week. On the next week. On the next week, and when you and when you see us in the playoffs, the one or two seed, I want to I want to hear anything because I I but, believe, if don't, I but if we don't see him in the one or two seed, and you see us why. in the five seed, you'll know why. We will still hooks up that Lombardi trophy. You put us in the six seed, we can barely be in the six seed. We will probably go deep in the playoffs, or we will probably either go to the Super Bowl. I believe in our team that much. Every Seattle fan believes in their team like that, and that not much. Everybody else can say different, but that is that is what I think. All y'all Ravens fans, y'all can think different. I just I don't I don't know I don't I don't know if Lamar's gonna uh I don't know if he's gonna be that crazy in Kershaw of the NFL. I don't know if he's gonna do great in the regular season and not be able to show up in the playoffs. I we, we don't know that. We don't know anything. We don't know anything about the playoffs, but I believe that the 49ers will be in the. Uh, excuse me, will be in the wild card by the time week seventeen ends. 
Yeah, man. It's peace and thanks for Can't me losing my voice over here. Dealing, dealing with Thank you. you. I right, yeah. appreciate it. Uh, switching gears now to the NFC. To the NFC uh, East, as far as the Eagles are concerned. They took care of business uh, last week, beating the rival Giants, who actually looked like a competent football team for a half, and then went and then went to pieces in the second half when Eli Manning turned back to his derpy old uh, ways in the second half when he absolutely was uh, torching the Eagles' defense in the first half. All the 17 points the Giants scored in the uh in the ball game was in the second was in the uh, second quarter uh Eli was 15 for 3203 passing yards and two touchdowns played absolutely immaculate like his old self but that was for one half in case you forgot football it's the bet who plays best out of the two halves not, not the one and the one who played best in the two halves most importantly in the second half where it mattered most was Carson Wentz who was absolutely clutching the game 33 for 50, 325 passing yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, you know, they had, you know, when you have to rely on guys like Dallas Goddard, Josh, Joshua Perkins, Greg Ward, and Miles Sanders, and J.J. Arcega Whiteside, who had the hit limp off the sideline and limp off the field himself with a hamstring injury late, and you somehow managed to put together a game winning drive. It doesn't matter if you're going against the 2 and 11 Giants. Or the eleven, or the eleven and two, uh, Baltimore Ravens. That's something. Or Monday Night Football, no less. When you, when you're stuck, when your only weapon is Zach Ertz, and you manage to put together a game-winning drive like that, that's that's impressive. It doesn't matter who you play, and that's exactly what Carson Wentz just uh did on Monday night. Went right down the field in overtime, and with help of uh, his practically his only target his only competent target left in tight end Zach Ertz. When you go down the field with him and, uh, you know, and put together a game-winning drive in overtime without your three core receivers in Jackson, Aguilar, and Jeffrey, you got to be commended. And let me tell you something right now. Late in the season, I got to look up and see when they, the week they actually play each other. But when the Cowboys and the Eagles play each other in the last two weeks of the season that's going to decide the division crown and decide who stays home and who uh, makes the playoffs. Uh, I'm picking the Eagles for one reason. One reason That's week 16 at Philadelphia uh, on uh, the 22nd of, of uh, December, three days before uh, Christmas. So, and I, But I'm taking... I'm taking the Eagles for one one reason, one reason only, is because they got a coach who can coach. If Doug Peterson didn't prove why he's a why he's a good didn't pro, didn't prove why he wasn't a good coach, uh, then I don't know what to tell you because he is a coach that with the life on the line, he can get it done. Late 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 in tight games, big time scenario games with playoff implications and everything else, he proved and has proven that he can get it done. Jason Garrett hasn't. He can't he can't get past the division round of the playoffs. Okay? He I mean J- Jason Garrett is inept, is incompetent, 
in late game situations, no less, you know, in week three of the regular season. God forbid have him make a tough, a tough, gritty, gutty coaching decision with the team's fate as far as playoff implications and everything else is concerned. God forbid he has to make a decision like that in week 14, 15, 16, 17, or wild card round of the playoffs. God forbid Jason Garrett has to, is put in that situation. Because he quivers and shakes in his boots, you know, when it's week week two, week one, and, he, and he's making half of these asinine, stupid, uh, ridiculous coaching decisions and piss-poor clock management and everything else in, in late in games. You know, we we if he's bad in week three, you can only imagine how poor he's going to be in week, you know, in week 15. When when there's when there's things to be uh, won and lost other other than the football game. So when it was going to be a late late game scenario in you know late in the ball game and the game's going you know tight tight game in Philly. Crowds going to be ruining everything else. On paper, the Cowboys have a better roster, but coach wise, I'm taking the Eagles because of Doug Peterson. His his game plan to beat to beat the Patriots is in the Hall of Fame, is a, is a Hall of Fame level game plan. They got a, they got a statue of him and folds outside of the link, and the game plan, and the and I think the and the game plan that Peterson punched up in the two weeks leading up to the game is sitting there in an exhibit, uh, in Canton, Ohio, along with I believe the visor that he wore. And you know the visor he wore during that game, his Bose headset that he had that he wore that he used during the game, and if I'm not mistaken, the the uh, the pullover that he wore during the game, and all that including the artifacts and the game plan, sitting right there in Canton, because of the phenomenal job he did, leading the pay, leading the Eagles to one of the most big to one of you know one of the biggest upsets in the history of the National Football League what's what's Jason Garrett done other than choke and lose uh pivotal late late in late uh in season games in years past I'm taking Doug yeah yeah you may have Zeke and Dak and and the Eagles may only have you know Wentz and Ertz, but we also got the head coach. And in games like this, when it's late in the season, coming down the stretch, and playoff spots are to be had and lost, I'm taking Peterson over Garrett because a head coach in these situations are just as vital and just as important, if not more, than the talent that's on the field. Take a break. Talk some MLB free agency. Players have signed with new teams for big money. And others have returned to their uh, stomping grounds from this past 2019 MLB season. I'll discuss that when we get back. And oh, by the way, Joe Burrow, which I'm hitting my knees. And every Bengals fan should hit their knees every night that we end up drafting him first overall quarterback come April of 2020. He won Heisman Trophy. For a 2019 college football season, just to get that on the board. But take a break, talk MLB free agency right after this. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? Can you feel it? 
Welcome back to Mattel Like a Terrier's podcast. Switching gears now to baseball because there are some big free agency signings that for once have actually broken down, that is actually taking place uh, early in uh, in the offseason compared to last year when we're basically bouncing around starting spring training. And, and for guys like, uh, for example, last year with Machado and Harper to get signed. Uh, but Garrett Cole, starting pitcher for the Houston Astros, who made it his business to tell us after the... Uh, you know, after after the uh, Whites, not the White Sox, after the uh, Nationals won the World Series back in late October, made it his business to sit up to uh, tell everybody that he is no longer the quote unquote property of the Houston Astros, whatever the hell he said. You know, made made us clear that he's not going to be returning to Houston. So, uh, so Kate up the net phony is going to have to find a new uh, best bud because Garrett Cole and uh, his uh, his wife is going to jump ship from uh, from Houston or actually switch trains because they got the train and everything. But you know what I mean. Go from Houston to the Bronx, uh, New York, and join the Yankees, who were in desperate need of starting pitching. Did not make a single move at the deadline, which which came back to bite the Yankees in the rear end uh, down the stretch in the ALCS against Houston, and were and Cashman and Hal Steinbrenner was heavily heavily criticized by members of the media and the Yankee fans for not trying to at least trying to make a move to uh, get uh, to get a starting pitcher at the deadline this past summer. But they end up making up for it by plopping a total of three hundred. Oh wait, hold on. Dropping three hundred and twenty-four million dollars over a nine-year period for Garrett Cole, uh, making him uh, which makes him the highest-paid pitcher after Steven Strasburg. We'll get to him in a minute. Signed uh, for a max contract remaining. To stay with uh with his homegrown team, team that drafted him, the team that groomed him throughout the minor leagues, team that he made his remarkable, memorable major league debut for in 2010, and the team that he won a uh, World Series for, and the team that he won uh World Series MVP on in the Washington Nationals. We'll get to him in a minute, but who signed early in the week before Garrett Cole did. But Cole, you know, is going to make a lot of money, and the New York Yankees automatically have got to be cons- now. Granted, they did lose Didi Gregorius to, uh, you know, Didi reunited with Girardi up in Philly, so uh, so they're going to miss Didi, who did a phenomenal job doing the impossible in filling the shoes of Yankee great Derek Jeter at shortstop. Did a phenomenal job given his uh, circumstances, and and really no one really never even heard. He didn't get didn't was not re- really showcases as good a player as he was playing in uh you know playing for the Diamondbacks, and has to do the impossible and fill in the shoes of Derek Jeter and did a pretty damn good job doing it if I say so myself. He's reunited with Girardi up in Philly, so that's a that's a bat that the Yankees are gonna miss in that lineup not having Didi there. He's a he's a big time big time left handed hitter, and the and the Yankees are certainly gonna miss uh are certainly gonna miss uh Didi's bat in the lineup, but but they got Judge, they got Stanton, 
They re-signed Garner, which I was going to bring it up, but since I, you know, it was a topic of conversation at hand, re-signed Garner, so they're going to have Garner for another year. They got Stanton, they got Judge, uh, Sanchez still can hit. You know, they got Greg Bird, the uh, the first baseman. They the Yankees going. The Yankees are honestly why they can't, why they should not be at the top of everybody's list of. Uh, of uh, World Series contention for 2020, and and they also still have, mind you, have Chapman in the bullpen. So keep that in mind, as as uh, well. And and Tanaka and Tanaka is not bad either, for all it's worth. Is he he's not that bad of a pitcher either. Uh, so that's our, that's item number one as far as uh, the signings is concerned. Item number two is Stephen. Strasburg, who re-signed uh, on mon- who re-signed on Monday earlier this week uh, for uh, let's get to his contract scenario. Uh, signed a seven-year, two hundred and forty-five million dollar deal uh, to remain with the Washington Nationals, which broke Price and Grinke's records of the highest-paid pitcher in the sport. Uh, and that, but that lasted for about a couple days, and then uh, had had it held the record for thirty three hours, and then Garrett Cole came behind him and broke it, but got top dollar. He deserved every last bit of it. Was phenomenal in game. I believe it was game two and game six of the uh, of the World Series against Houston. I mean, and rightfully, you know, and rightfully so, they gave him they gave him World Series MVP because of it. Uh, let me see if I can pull it up right quick. Uh, game two, Strasburg. Uh, Strasburg. Here you go. Six innings pitch. Seven. Six innings pitch. Seven hits. Two runs. Gave gave up one walk. Gave up one home run and struck out seven. That was a game two when the Nationals uh, got a two zero lead up against Houston and won the game in part of a huge six run seven inning and won the game. 12 to 3 turn around and in a pivotal game 6 that the Nationals had to have after spitting the bit at home in DC they come back to Houston where they won the first two games and Strasburg came out and absolutely balled uh was 8 and a third five hits two runs both both of them earned walk two and struck out seven so and got world series mvp to boot after game 7 I mean, he absolutely was phenomenal for the Nationals in the World Series. Was phenomenal for him in the regular season. Was phenomenal for him in the postseason. He deserves every single penny that he got. Nationals realized that they couldn't pay two guys an estimate of of five hundred million dollars combined. You know, they they're going to spend money unlike the Orioles. <clears throat> cough, cough. But uh, but they're not the New York Yankees and not the the Los Angeles Dodgers. If they're going to pay a guy that much, you know, over two hundred million dollars, you can only pick. You can you got to pick one. You can't sign them. I know they'd love to keep everybody, but but fact of the matter of just going off a of plain old logic that they couldn't. They chose Schwarzberg over Rendon. Every Nationals front office. I mean, the Nationals, you know, from the owner down to the fans, is going to miss Anthony Rendon and is going to hate to see him go. But hey, baseball is, and I'll get to Rendon's contract in a minute. But 
you know, it's it is a business after all, and you know, for a business for Anthony Rendon, and I do not blame him one bit. Who know God knows if he's ever going to have a, a, a MVP caliber season that he had last year. Lord knows when he's going to have that again. Just coming off a championship, you got to strike. You got to strike when the iron's hot, and when the market is high for your services, you got to take advantage of it. And he took advantage of it. He's going to be living out in, uh, you know, living out in Anaheim, California, playing with uh, Mike Trout. And, and you know, and if, <laughs> I can just imagine the Astros fan right now. It's like, oh, my goodness. World Series is over. Well, as long as the Nationals don't make it, as long as the Nationals don't make it back, or as long as Rendon signs with, you know, the, you know, signs with the, or, you know, you know, signs with any team that they don't have to play us. Oh, thank God. And then you're an Astros fan, you know, you, you lost the World Series, you know, your team is in trouble with the cheating and everything else, and you sit up here and read <laughs> that you're going to have to face Anthony <laughs> that you're going to have to f- not only did you lose Cole to the Yankees, but <laughs> you also read, read that Rendon is going to go up against you about 19 times <laughs> 19 times for the next 5 plus years. Oh my gosh, nobody. If you're an Astros fan, you gotta be sick to your stomach. You you lost the World Series. Your team is in trouble for cheating, stealing signs. You see Cole. You see Cole goodbye. You know you see Cole go out the door to go join the Evil Empire, and then you gotta deal with Anthony Rendon in the lineup with Trout, mind you, for the next five to ten years. Oh my gosh, Almighty! If you're an Astros fan, bravo! Oh my gosh. You are you are certainly batting a thousand these last couple of months. Months, oh my goodness gracious! But I can't fault Rendon. Strike while the iron's hot. Congratulations to him. There's not a single, you know, everyone on that Houston on that Washington Nationals organization from top to bottom is going to miss him like he wouldn't miss the miss the person, miss the personality, miss. I mean, he was one. I mean, he was one hell of a ball player, and and I cannot recall and. My fifteen plus years of watching baseball, I cannot recall a single person that out of nowhere, out of thin air, had a marvelous season after in a year after their best player, arguably, and Bryce Harper goes off in free agency, leaves the team to go signs with a a division rival, and Anthony Rendon, who you know, who just all of a sudden magically just lit it up. And had the season of his life. Granted, seeing seeing one of his best buds and seeing his teammates and Harper walk out the door to go sign with the enemy up the uh, beltway to uh, to Philadelphia. I mean, what what? But and and there were not and there were and Anthony run. I mean, it's the same thing with Harper. I mean, it's the same thing with Kawhi. And uh, you know, with uh, Kawhi in the uh, in the Raptors to the Clippers scenario. When when the money's there for you to be had and you earned it and you did and you did your team you know the in Kawhi's case the Raptors and with Rendon's case the uh, the uh, the Nationals when you do them right and go go ahead and sign sign your money he he didn't sign with he didn't you know Kawhi didn't sign you know with the team within within the Raptors division he didn't sign the Eastern Conference he went to the Western Conference he went to L A. Rendon, he didn't sign with the Phillies, didn't sign with the Mets, didn't sign with the, 
like like the Mets could afford him anyways. But then side with the Marlins, and he you know, he he packed up and went and went out to the AL West. Went out, you know, and and he and Kawhi are sitting there, you know, sitting there with championships won from teams in the East Coast that have had their fair share legacy of failures. They did what they, you know, they called they uh they paid the piper. They sit up there and they won their respective teams a championship and the and teams like the Clippers and the Angels, both LA market teams, were willing you know, were willing to pay long term for them. And uh God bless them for it. But, you know, Garrett Cole's gonna make the Yankees a big time postseason a big time World Series contender. Nationals gonna be a World Series contender because he's still got Soto sitting there. It's gonna be a Rendon is a big chunk of the lineup they're gonna miss. But but when you have that Soto kid sitting there and you still got and you got Strasburg sitting there long term and Scherzer sitting there long term, you're gonna be a World Series, you know. I'm not. Sh- I'm not. I wouldn't. I wouldn't shoot it down, but it's not a definite guarantee. But if you don't think that the Nationals are going to be competitive and are going to claw and going to uh, make a fierce attempt at repeating as champions, which is hard to do in baseball, has hasn't been done since the New York Yankees at the turn of the century. But you know. But if you don't think for a second that the Nationals aren't going to aren't going to have some fight and have some grit to defend their title, you're nuts. But with Rendon going to, uh, you know, going to, going to the Angels, I'd, I'd pipe it down and I'd calm down if, uh, if, if you, if all your son is sitting there saying, well, the Angels are all of a sudden going to give the Astros run for the money in, in the AL West and are, are locked why are a locked team for next year's uh, postseason, which I do not see. Rendon, Rendon's a good play had a phenomenal season. I get that, but and then Trout's the best player in the sport. But let's slow your roll on the Angels, okay? Who, okay? So they have Harper, they have Rendon, and they have Trout. Okay, what about their uh, starting pitching? That has been abysmal for the last whatever it might be. What about their bullpen? That's been non-existent. Well, I mean, what what are they gonna do? And don't sit up here and give me Otani because Otani, you know, barely scratched the surface in 2019, and Otani isn't necessarily uh, and and Shohei Otani isn't exactly uh, you know Babe Ruth at the plate and isn't exactly uh, Sandy Koufax on the mound either. So and and he's just one guy, who's young, who plans on playing both sides of the both sides of the field, hitting and pitching, which is going to wear on him, you know, come uh you know come the dog days of July and August, trying to keep up with you know trying to keep up with the Astros and then the Pesquiers that somehow someway managed to win games in the regular season, offer them to fall flat on their face and fail and pee down their leg come October, but they'll still be sitting there. You know, in uh, July and August, when it comes to competing for a wild card scenario, and also got to compete with Houston, and then with wild card, also got to compete with the Rays, who have pitching with Blake Snell that made the postseason, believe it or not, that won about ninety five something games, and the Yankees and the Red Sox, who should be competitive. 
So, uh, I mean, you know, let, let's pump the brakes on, on the Angels, please. They, they got to get some pitching first before we can talk postseason with the Angels, okay? But if it was basketball, that, yeah, okay? LeBron and Anthony Davis, you know? You know, Trout and Rendon. But it's baseball, okay? You, you got, you need, you either need, you need starting pitching, but you can get by if you have a if you have a solid uh, lights out bullpen. You can make the postseason and win ninety plus games if you have a if you have a solid bullpen. World Series contention, you need starting pitching, hands down. Period. You know, good hitting stops. Excuse me, uh, good pitching stops good hitting any day of the week. And any person that pays attention to baseball, is a fan of baseball, that knows a little something about baseball, will tell you that. At the Angels need pitching, bottom line. Take a break. I'll recap Ravens and Jets, Lamar Jackson's Lamarvelous performance in that game, and give you my week 15 picks right after this. Hey. Welcome back to Mattel Like a TIS podcast. Switching gears now back to the NFL. And week the first game of week 15 of the 2019 NFL season was between the New York Jets, who coming into this game were five and eight, and the Baltimore Ravens, who were eleven and two, who at the time and still are holding on to the top seed, number one seed in the AFC playoff picture, and who clinched their division on Thursday night with their win against the Jets. Uh, to win the AFC North for the second straight year in a row. Lamar Jackson, once again, another MVP. I mean, the bottom line is Russell Russell Wilson does not have it. I mean, Russell Wilson better, you know, make sure that he gets the Super Bowl so he can win Super Bowl MVP because Russell Wilson is going to have to wait another year for him to get NFL MVP because Lamar Jackson is absolutely on another level. He He's 2019 NFL MVP hands down. I mean, I, I, I mean, if you were to ask me back in November, back in October, I'd say Russell Wilson. I've, you know, I'm a... Lamar Jackson is the real deal. And without his amazing season, Lord knows what the Ravens could, Lord knows what the Ravens would, would look like in 2019. I mean, think, this is their best regular season they have ever had. Their 2000 team and their 2012 team didn't have nowhere near as good a regular season as the 2000 and the 2012 Ravens teams. The 2000 team won 12 games altogether in the regular season. It's week 15 and the Ravens have 12. 
the 2000 team that has that had one of the great that had the greatest defense of all time say, up there with the 85 they won 12th the entire year it's week 15 Ravens already have 12 wins the two th- the 2012 team i believe went 10 and 6 let me look that up right quick but the 2012 team as if i remember correctly didn't even win 12 games They they didn't even win. They went ten and the two thousand twelve team won a Super Bowl went ten and six. This is the best regular season the Ravens have ever had. If they if they keep this up, the Ravens could for the first time in their history host an AFC championship game. The AFC would have to come through Baltimore in order for them to get to Miami. They'd have it'd have to come through Baltimore, not Foxborough, not Kansas City, but Baltimore. Which means that if Brady wants to get to a third straight Super Bowl and defend his title, odds are he'd have to go back to Baltimore and play the Ravens to do it. And I'm sorry, I know that it's second time go around, but. I the way the Patriots offense and the way the Patriots have been playing this season and the way they and the way they played against Baltimore back in November, I'm sorry, I I I would not take New England to beat Baltimore in the AFC Championship game, come mid January, if we got if we got to that point. And I t- and I told you and I told you guys this about a month ago. I don't see the Ravens losing another game until January. I, I honestly do not see it. This team is too freaking good. Lamar Jackson, 15 with 20, 212 passing yards and five touchdown passes, and he has not, and he's rarely turned over the football this season. And oh, by the way, eight carries, 86 yards to boot. Mark Ingram has been a has been a good addition for the Ravens offense. Played decent, played decent Thursday night, 13 carries, 76 yards and a touchdown. This team, this team, has is special. Is spe- I don't. I'm not uh, winning Super Bowl. Eh, I don't think so. But certainly getting there though. I, they have a very, very, very good chance of doing. I take them over the Patriots. In Baltimore. I don't know about the Chiefs though. I don't. on paper they're a better team than the Chiefs, but Lamar Jackson and Harbaugh that combo together has yet to prove the, that they can beat the Chiefs. So I don't know, but boy did the Ravens play well on Thursday night. The special teams, special teams, you know, spit the bit. They you know they had the uh, had the Tucker miss field goal. They had. Uh, you know the the special teams oddly enough was the special teams oddly enough was uh was terrible as well as the Ravens on third down 25% when they're getting first downs left and right and really facing third downs you really can't you really can't gripe and complain but they had 430 yards of total offense but i mean this team is special
And I, if you hear that Terrell Suggs got cut by the Cardinals, he's trying to, he's basically turning down every offer he gets unless it's the Baltimore Ravens. Because Suggs, who has been, you know, who's going to go down synonymously of being a Baltimore Raven winner, I mean, he, uh, he's probably at a point where he doesn't even give a crap if he has to be like the second string guy. If his, like, if his, you know, if his downs is decreased. He want he wants to jump he wants to be a he wants to jump back with the Ravens so and who can fault him I mean you cut I mean try to go to Arizona for him to wrap it up his home state or whatever and want to know parts of him well uh, Baltimore's Bashadi and Boyce uh, can I come back and I, and honestly if I'm Baltimore I'm like hell what the hell we're having this phenomenal season we might end up going all the way. Terrell Suggs you deserve to win a second championship you've been such a Great player and a key cornerstone for this uh, team for so many years. And when, when, I mean, if if you're just satisfied with just being on the team again, hell yeah, man, we get you up. What nice one 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 year two year deal? Get get them all signed up. Because me personally, I'd love to see Terrell Suggs back in you know in that Raven uniform again. Because this ride is so good, Terrell Suggs of all people should 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 be on this should be on this ride with him. This is the best that the Ravens has. This is the best regular season the Ravens have ever had. Mind you, the cornerstones of that team and of that franchise are retired. And Ray and Ed and Terrell Suggs, Flacco even to a certain degree, the guys are gone. They're doing it with new guys. And let me tell you, Kudos to Harbaugh. That's a I tell you, that's a Harbaugh brother that can coach. Unlike Jim, who can't get get out of his own way at Michigan, up in Ann Arbor, losing to Ohio State every year. That's the guy who can coach, John Harbaugh. He can coach. He can coach. But it is time. Week fifteen picks for the rest of the action in the National Football League. So here we go. In the league where they play full pay. Game number one Tampa Bay and Detroit. Tampa Bay favorite minus three and a half coming up against Detroit. I will pick. The Bucks to win the game 24-23. Philadelphia coming off that overtime win against the Giants on Monday night. Go on the road to play Washington one last time. Play each other in week one. Deshaun Jackson had a monster performance. No Deshaun Jackson this time. Washington kept things interesting between them and Green Bay, but they are officially eliminated from playoff contention are really just in the tank off right now. Philadelphia will win and gain another upper hand in the NFC East race and will win the game 24-26. Chicago and Green Bay. Chicago coming off of a win, uh, what, about two weeks ago, it seems like, uh, against the Cowboys go on the road to play Green Bay again these two teams play each other week one in the kickoff game on that Thursday night in early September Green Bay 
trying to stay in the thick of things and as far as the NFC playoff picture is concerned, as far as getting a, the second seed. Uh, I will take Green Bay and win the game 27-20, or excuse me, 27-17. New England and Cincinnati. Oh, boy. This is the game that I had circled on the calendar when the schedule came out. Granted, we only have one win. And granted that we got to secure the tank for Burrow. But it would make my year. Especially with the shooting center that's going on the last week. It would make my year. And we're home, which is also a plus. It would make my where we where we have our only win of the season. It would make my year if somehow, some way, the Bengals got it done against Brady and Belichick, and I'll pick them to do so. It's a good time to do it. Patriots offense has been inept. I'm taking my Bengals, my Bengals, the win 23. 17, Eddie Dalton and the boys take against the Dolphins and the Browns. I don't care. But if you have it in a, go out there and beat Belichick for your boy. Patriots favorite minus nine and a half. Tennessee and Houston. Houston absolutely spit the bit against the Broncos. They didn't even bother to show up that game. I don't know what the hell was going on with them. Meanwhile, Tennessee, who has completely rejuvenated themselves since, uh, since, Ryan Tannehill took over, has completely rejuvenated the team. They are on a path towards possibly winning the division, stealing it from Houston. I'll pick Tennessee to win to win 27-2-21. Tennessee favorite minus three. Seattle and Carolina. Seattle favorite minus six going up against Carolina who lost their last time out their first game without Ron Rivera and nine nine plus seasons. Seattle coming off of the loss against the Rams, which we discussed with Ian early in the program. I'll take Seattle to win 28-17. Kansas City against Denver. Denver coming off of that monstrous win against the Texans. Meanwhile, Kansas City coming off of a win against New England. Kansas City's favorite minus nine and a half. Take Kansas City to win the game 27 to 13. Miami and the Giants. Giants coming off of a loss Monday night against the Eagles. Miami coming off of a loss against the Jets. The Miami will, as many other teams this NFL season, will in the AFC East will stay in uh in the, you know, have back-to-back games at MetLife Stadium and will play the Giants. Giants, Eli Manning will start uh, in that game, and I believe Eli will walk out on top and win the game 24-21 and will snap the Giants' nine-game losing streak. The and last, time, and last time the Giants won a game, the Mets were playing, just to keep that in mind. And the last time the Ravens lost the game, the Orioles were playing. So keep those two things in mind. Cleveland and Arizona. Cleveland favored minus two and a half after... You know, not convincingly beating my Bengals, to say the least, last week. Arizona coming off of a loss at the hands of Pittsburgh at home last week. I will take Arizona to win the game 24-23. Oakland's favorite minus seven by a touchdown plus the extra point. Oakland, last game in Oakland, last game in the Coliseum. They're going to send, they're going to send out their fans in a black hole with a bang. 27-19, Oakland will win. 
Atlanta, San Francisco shouldn't even be a topic of debate. San Francisco will win 31-17. San Francisco favorite minus 11 points. The Rams are favored against the Cowboys on the road by a point. You heard that right, a point. But I believe the Cow- I believe the Cowboys will lose by seven. 24-17. The Rams will beat Dallas. And the Sunday night game between Buffalo and Pittsburgh. Buffalo coming off of a loss against the Ravens last Sunday. Pittsburgh, like I previously stated, coming off of a win on the road against Arizona. Pittsburgh, will. this is a battle between the 5th and 6th seeds at the moment in the AFC playoffs. I will take Buffalo to win the game and padding their margin between Pittsburgh as far as the 5th and 6th seed is concerned and will beat Pittsburgh 17-14 in the Sunday night game. The Monday night game, second to last one of the year. Indianapolis, New Orleans, New Orleans at minus nine points. I will take the Saints to win the game 31 to 19. So those are your picks for week 15 in the National Football League and a league where they play for pay. I want to thank you for listening to another episode of the I'm a Tell It Like Your T.I. Is podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe. Uh, and you know, please subscribe down below on the side, wherever it is. Uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating. Follow the show on Twitter at I at I'ma tell at I'ma tell underscore it ti is. Follow your boy on Twitter at the J Shield. Enjoy your week, everybody. Stay safe. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week. See ya.